0: John chapter 2 13 through 23. Here we go. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all the temple court he drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, "Get these Out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews responded to him, what kind of, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. My son, Canaan, for his birthday, uh, I put a television in his room with a, with a fire stick attached to it, right? And I, I gave him some rules. I put this in there and I said, now listen, pal, uh, here are the rules. Number one, you only watch what I tell you you can watch, and you only watch when I tell you, you can watch. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I got it. Okay, great. So you can have 30 minutes right now, door open. You can watch TV in your room. It's like, okay. Yes, dad. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. So 30 minutes goes by, hour goes by. I come in there and I say, hey, bud, uh, it's time to turn the TV off. He said, oh yeah, sure, dad. No problem. I think something's up here some don't make sense look when they're that compliant right out of the gate you just you already know right veteran parents where are you at it's like no nah, i can smell something here so it's like all right okay bud yep good night close my door i get halfway down the stairs and i hear unspeakable on youtube and i'm like oh okay all right so i go up there and i rip open the door and right when i rip open the door he's <laughs> acting like he's asleep I was like, did you turn that TV back on? No, it just came back on. (laughs) I don't know what happened, Dad. I don't know what happened. I said, listen to me. I gave this to you as a privilege. If you turn that TV on again, (laughs) some of you may think this is extreme. Zennigram eight, Jesus went crazy. I said, I'm gonna rip that TV off the wall and I'm gonna throw the remote in the trash. And he was like, okay, Dad, okay, okay. Go downstairs. Ann and I are hanging out about an hour later. I just, ha- I just had this sense in my spirit. I was like, you know, something ain't adding up. There is, there's something going on upstairs. I go upstairs. I, li- I can hear the TV on in his room. <laughs> Rip open the door again. I <laughs> was like, I was like, what do you think I did? Come on, you, Tina, you know me. I mean, what do you, what do you think I did? I took that, I ripped that TV off the wall, ripped the cable out so fast it broke the outlet protector. I took that remote, I threw that remote in the trash and I said, boy, I told you, if you do this, this is what will happen. There, there was this moment where it was like, you, you, you forced me to, I had to take radical action to show him I was serious. When it comes to Jesus cleansing the temple, Jesus has to take radical action to communicate the heart of his his heart's desire. He is coming to his people, he steps into the temple, and he takes radical action. And the purpose of this radical action is actually in John chapter 20, verse 31. Follow me now, we're gonna build a case for what is happening with the temple cleansing, okay? John chapter 20, verse 31, tells you the purpose of the gospel of John, okay? Here's why the gospel of John was written, verse 20, chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, Okay. So we have the temple cleansing. We have the purpose of the gospel of John. That is, these things are written so that we would believe in his name, that we would trust in who he is and what he does and how he has saved us, right? Okay, so John 2, verse 11, wedding in Cana of Galilee, he he does a miracle. He turns water into wine. And at the end of that miracle, here's what it says. When Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed his glory. It was the first of many in which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So first miracle that Jesus does sets the precedent for the rest of the book of John so that we may believe in his name. And they told you what it was. He reveals his glory so that we will believe. John chapter 2, 22 through 23. It says after, this is right after the temple cleansing. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. Okay, keep Keep following the pattern. John is saying these things have been written so that you will believe. Wedding in Canaan and Galilee, Jesus does a miracle, turns water into wine, reveals his glory so that they will believe. Jesus steps into the temple, he cleanses the temple, he reveals his glory so that they will believe. Let's keep on going here. Let's go to John chapter three. The next one is Nicodemus. And he shows up to, Nic- Nicodemus comes to him and says, I have heard of your signs And Jesus says to Nicodemus, I have come so that you might believe. John chapter four, woman at the well, he tells her her dirty laundry. He says, you've got multiple husbands. You want, the, you want the water that gives, you want living water. If you asked me for it, you would never have to ask again. She believes in him. In John four, verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. He reveals his glory to the woman so that they might believe. Later in John chapter 4, Jesus heals the official's son. John 4 verse 59 says, then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his household believe. Jesus reveals his glory so that we will believe. John chapter 5, Jesus heals a lame man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders bring charges against him for breaking the Sabbath rules. In John 5, verse 24, it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed from death to life. If you believe in me, you will be saved. I will reveal my glory so that you may believe. John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves, I love that place, and two fish. John 6, verse 14, here's what it says. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus reveals his so that we might Jesus reveals his glory so that we might believe. John chapter seven, Jesus teaches in the temple. Roll into John chapter eight, woman at the well. And he encounters the woman at the well and he, all of them are condemning her. And he tells, her, he tells all of them, he calls out the crowd and then he says to her, woman, who condemns you? Nor do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And here's what she says. She says, no, my Lord, none condemn me. In other words, he became her Lord. He revealed his glory and she believed. John chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. Again, the Pharisees two times questioned this blind man about being healed by Jesus. And listen to what the blind man says, John nine, 24 through 27. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God. Isn't that interesting? The Pharisees are seeking to give glory to God by rejecting Jesus' miracle. They're seeking to give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25, he replied, this is the blind man, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Listen to verse 27, what he says. I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Jesus reveals his glory so that we might believe. He continues on, John chapter 10, he is the good shepherd. John chapter 11, Lazarus raised from the dead. What does John 12 say? That many people came to believe because they saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead over and over and over follow it throughout the resurrection of the book of John John says I wrote you these things so that you might believe in his name and miracle after miracle after cleansing after movement after word after sermon after preaching it is all wrapped up in this he reveals his glory so that you might believe now let me ask you this question then If that is the premise of the book of John and that is the heartbeat of the cleansing of the temple, what do you think Jesus does when his glory is stifled? You saw it. We're just, you understand his righteous anger. You understand he's saying, I have been doing nothing but trying to reveal my glory so that you might believe and you care more about making money on exchanging currency than me. You care more about selling animals than me. You care more about commerce than me. And he takes radical action. Let me give you a little more context, and then we're, we're where we need to be, okay? Uh, Jerusalem at this time normally was between 200 and 300,000 people. When the Passover would occur, they, Josephus estimates 2.5 to 3 million Jews would descend upon Jerusalem for the Passover, okay? So he, he also suggests that the temple priests had to be two to 300 people. There were temple mercenaries that worked for the high priest, for anyone who tried to disrupt the temple, but he said there was at least, he he bases his calculation on 250,000 sacrifices. So he said there's 250,000 sacrifices, 2.5 to 3 million Jews descending on one place. Here's what you need to know. This was the biggest event of the year by far. Do you all know who plays in the Super Bowl next week? I don't know if you know that or not. I'll tell you who it's not. (laughs) No, just I'll be nice. Why well, hammer the Cowboys? They did it to themselves, right? <laughs> I'm about the Texans. I mean, it, it is estimated that this Sunday—not this Sunday, next Sunday—this uh, Super Bowl will be the most televised event the entire year. Be the most tele. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Right? Chiefs by ten. Chiefs by ten easy Chiefs by 10 over at halftime, right? But it's a massive, massive deal. You all know the Super Bowl is next week. Something called the World Cup, they try to call it football. I don't even know why. Doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, Listen, to Andy, Andy was like, this is the biggest thing in the world, (laughs) bar none. You don't understand. Like that's, that's what you need to have in your mind contextually when we talk about the Passover and we talk about the cleansing of the temple. This was the World Cup. This was the Super Bowl. There were more people that descended upon this moment in Jewish history than any other time, okay? We have to understand that. So Jesus walks up into the temple. Now you're starting to get the picture. He walks into the middle of the World Cup. That would have been awesome. Walks into the middle of the Super Bowl, and here's what he does. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. Remember the premise, God is revealing his glory. Jesus is revealing his glory so that we might believe. And in order for him to reveal his glory, what is the first thing? he does, eliminates distraction, restructures priorities. You will not experience the glory of God if you don't have your priorities in line. You will not experience the power of God, the move of God, if you have so many other things that are distracting you. The temple was filled with distractions, so they'd have 2.5 to 3 million Jews come to Jerusalem, most of which would not travel with their animals, which means there was great economic opportunity for the people to go in there and sell these animals. The problem was they moved from the outer court to the inner court of the temple, which means only one thing, the high priest approved it. It's the only way they could have moved from the outer to the inner. So you have the entire religious system more concerned with selling animals and exchanging money than the glory of God, than what is actually happening. And what does Jesus do? He walks in and destroys it. You know, I think we we get to this space where we become far more concerned with checking boxes of, of our spiritual life than, than actually living a life surrendered to Jesus. You need to understand some, it doesn't matter how many times you read that Bible in the morning and check the box, it doesn't matter how many times you come to church, it doesn't matter how many opportunities you have to volunteer, it doesn't matter if you're the best dancer at night to shine on Friday night, if your heart is not surrendered to Jesus, those offerings are meaningless. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 1, verse 11 through 13. This has always been God, by the way. This is what I find so interesting. God has not changed. God has not changed from a God who says, give me sacrifices to live surrendered to me. This is who he's always been. Listen to Isaiah 1, 11 through 13. What makes you think that I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and the lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. Do you understand that all of the things that you are doing for God or doing for your family or doing for your children, if your heart is not transformed, those are meaningless offerings. That's saying, I, I don't want you to do all of this. That's great. Appreciate that. But I want you. I want you, not the things that are distracting you that you keep giving unto me. Psalm 51, 16 through 19. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. There's your answer. What makes an offering acceptable? The right heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then the bulls will be offered on your altar. If you are blind to the glory of God and your life is filled with distraction, all of the other things that you're doing don't matter. We have to understand this because we live in a culture that is making money off distracting us. Try to read your devotions from your phone. I can't anymore. Because I start getting notifications, I start getting, them. I'm like, I cannot do you version because the notifications rob my focus and rob my attention. And then all of a sudden I just start checking boxes with no surrendered heart because I'm thinking more about that email that I received than communing with God and meeting with God. And then I get up from my devotional time and I don't feel like much is transformed in me. Why? Because I was distracted the entire time. I checked the box, but my heart wasn't in it. It's what he's saying, it has to start here. It has to start here. The temple can be booming. How many of you know you can have a temple filled with animals, every seat packed, and still not experience the glory of God until this gets changed, until this gets transformed, until the value, the value begins to change. My my mom, this is funny, I just thought of this. Um, I can't remember all the details. we were helping my mom move, I think is what it was. And she had this, uh, wallet in a box and, and we found, you remember this? Yes. Did you ever get that wallet? Did you get it? Or she kept it, right? Okay. Yes. Um, no, she didn't give it to Anna. Right. Uh, so my mom had this wallet and Anna opened it up and she was like, Oh my gosh. Where did you get this? And my mom was like, I don't know, one of my my bosses, my mom worked for uh, the past four CEOs of Sprint. She was their admin, served them administratively up until the merger with T-Mobile and then retired, right? So she worked for major players super high caliber leaders, uh, big time entrepreneurs. And she said, I don't know, I I got that. They gave me that wallet for like admin appreciation day. Isn't that kind of a weird gift to give your admin on admin appreciation? Anna's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Joy, this is a limited edition Louis Vuitton wallet. And my my mom's like, what is that? it's like I thought the checkers—it looks like a checkerboard. It's, like, it's weird. I don't get it. And Anna's taking out the authentication papers and showing her. This is like one of 900 made. Blah, blah, blah. and she's like, no way, no way. Anna searches it, pulls up the purse. It's like several thousand dollars. It's like two or three thousand dollars for this little wallet. Shows my mom. My mom was terrified. You know why? Here's what she said. She's like, oh my gosh. Are you serious? She's like. I don't even know if I thanked him. I don't even know if I, like, do I go back to work and like, hey, thank you so much for that wallet that you gave. But what happened was she didn't understand the value, so she couldn't attribute to it what it was worth. When Jesus comes into the temple and he begins reorganizing things into the temple, the application to us is this, we have to know what is most valuable so we can attribute most of our heart to it. We have got to understand the value that Jesus is pushing to the forefront of the temple. Okay, number two, uh, my favorite part of this. So Jesus comes in, wrecks the temple, right? Fashions a whip of cords. He starts tearing it all up. John 2, 15 through 17, it says, So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And then it says the disciples saw him in that moment and remembered zeal for my father's house will consume me. Remember a couple things. One, Jesus is an unknown man at this point. Jesus is unknown. He is just shown up. He's at the beginning of his ministry. They don't know who he is. They have no history of him. They have no understanding of him other than just being a man at the Passover. Yet he goes and he takes these cords and he, he takes these cords, most believe it was from the animals that were caged up in cords of time shut. And he's taking the cords off of there. Then he starts braiding and then he's he goes all Indiana Jones on him. Just like, Wah-pow, wah-pow, sending everything out. Remember, two and a half million Jews, 200,000 in the center worshiping, 200,000 animals for sale, and Jesus runs all of that. Off. There was no strike of lightning or thunder. There was no angelic fanfare. There were no trumpets. There was no announcement or warning. Not a single Roman soldier arrested him. The high priest could not stop him. The temple garrison did not detain him. This was one unimaginable act of power. One act of of power that we cannot even begin to comprehend and what he is doing is he is stepping into the biggest day of the year as one man in the face of everything and he is saying i am here how did god reveal his glory through the power of jesus to clear the temple Through the power of Jesus to walk in, to clear the temple, and I mean completely clear the temple with zero resistance. What is the zeal that we talk about? It is the power of God to show up in a space and transform everything without resistance. It is his ability to do a work right here and a work collectively among us without resistance because he cannot be stopped. He cannot be contained, he cannot be controlled. Jesus reveals his glory through a display of his power. My father-in-law, um, Hal, shout out, g whatever we call you, G-Paw, um, He bought my kids for Christmas, uh, my boys, he bought them these really, really cool remote control bumper cars with an ejector seat in them. I mean, they just, they had, so like you would smash them into each other and this person would get ejected out of it. They were, they were really, really, really cool. We opened them up on Christmas morning. The only problem was they each took 16 batteries each. I'm not kidding you and and my boys were so excited about these cars. Like it was their highlight and it's Christmas day so everything's closed, right? So you can't get batteries anywhere. So I'm literally walking through the house taking batteries out of remotes, taking batteries out of other toys trying to get trying to get these things to work and I mean there was there was not enough power in the house, so it was funny. They they spent the whole day sitting there holding them, just kind of admiring them, but they couldn't experience them because we had no power. My concern is that you come here and admire God, but don't experience his power. My concern, Jesus' concern in cleansing the temple is that you were showing up because everybody else was. It's because you were showing up because it was a lot of fun. It was the biggest day of the year. Let's go see everybody worshiping. And his biggest concern was that you were showing up and not experiencing power. We are not a place where you just come and get what you want and leave. We are a place that you get involved with. We are, the church is an organism, right? It's not an organization. I, I, I don't like when people call it that. We are not an organization, we are not a 501c3, we are a living body of people. And what does a living body of people, where each of us are a member of that living body, means we have to become part of the body. Jesus is saying, don't just show up to the temple and admire me and miss the power. There's power in this place when you're engaged with him. And then uh, let's wrap up here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you speaking for everybody else. There's no football on anyway, right? John 2, 18 through 23. I know Tabitha's ready. Here we go. The Jews then responded to him. Isn't this insane? Jesus completely cleanses the temple, right? I mean, think about this for a second. That would be walking in, no police officer stopped him. The Roman guards could not contain him. The high priest couldn't do anything about it. He runs everybody out of there. And then they ask this question. (laughs) The Jews responded, they're like, wow, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? They're like, man, that was crazy. How? How did you do all of that? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Verse 20, they replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. Verse 22, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. You want to know something interesting? There's not a time pre-resurrection where the disciples understood fully what Jesus was doing. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that scary? That you can be following and not understanding? You can be blindly following and still not fully grasping. I mean, there is not a time, if you read through the gospels pre-resurrection where the disciples saw and were like, yep, I know exactly what's going on here. I trust him. Yep, I'm on board. No, it was afterwards. Isn't that crazy? And then verse 23, now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. I love this. Because Jesus is standing there and they ask him, what authority do you have? And we know they thought he was talking about a physical temple, but he was talking about himself. So they say, what authority do you have? Here is the authority of God. He says, it is right here in me. It is who I am and what I choose to do. John 10, 17 through 18, Jesus says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Again, Jesus is saying, I am the I am. Remember from Exodus, who, who are you, God? And he says, I am who I say I am. Jesus is saying the exact same thing. It is a confirmation of his deity saying, I am, I am the temple. I tear it down and I'll raise it in three days. In fact, I, I love that because they, they mocked Jesus when he was on the cross because of that. Mark 15, 29 through 30 says, those who passed by in, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. He had no idea what they were mocking. How do we wrap up this whole temple cleansing? I mean, if we were to summarize it in one way, it would be to surrender your heart to the revealed glory of God so that you may believe surrender your heart get rid of all the distractions get rid of all of the things that are confusing you distracting you holding you back recognize the power of God to transform you and recognize the authority of Jesus to lead you into a life fully surrendered to him this is what he wants this is what he's after my son, um, man, that's two, right? That's two ice creams today. Darn it, I started with him, ended with him. Rough sermon for him today. Uh, my son, he, um, he and his friend, one of our neighbors, thought it would be really, really funny to turn our uh, electric garage door into an amusement park game. Yeah, so they, they did this thing where he would punch in the buttons to open the garage. And then he and his friend would run and they would hang from the garage to see how high it could take them up before they fell off. They did it for an hour. They did it, I mean... (laughs) When I say they destroyed my garage door, like, I went out there and it looked like Anna drove her car through it. It was off the rails, it was bent, it was torn to pieces, and I, I mean... You already heard about me ripping TVs off walls, right? Like, I'm in an Enneagram 8. I'm giving to that. I just follow Jesus. You know, I fashioned a whip of cords for him. No. But I, I saw the garage door and it was absolutely destroyed. And I am so mad. I called my friend because uh, I, I knew he'd know somebody, Brett. I called Brett. And, and Brett says to me, boy, Luke, I'm going to sit you on a stump for a minute. I said, okay. I was boiling hot. And he said, I want you to think back to all the times that you cost your parents money. So <laughs> that was so mad, it was gonna be thousands of dollars to fix and I'm yelling and I'm upset and Brett tells me that and I'm like, darn it. All right, fine. So then I go inside and I start to go back to reconcile with Canaan and, and I right as I'm going to him, I mean, this is, he's such a beautiful boy. He's walking down the stairs and he has this Tupperware and inside of it he's got coins, a couple dollar bills, his Nintendo switch and a couple other things. And he said, dad, he said, I want to, I want to give you this so that you can use it to pay for the door. Right? How do you ground that? How do you spank that? I was just so, I, I looked at him and I said, bud, I don't want that. And his eyes welled up with tears, his lips began to quiver, and he said, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I embraced him, and I said, that's all that I want from you. It's all that I want from you. Listen, you may think you came in here and there's all of these things you have to do to get close to God, and you gotta raise your hands and worship, and you gotta sit in the front row, and you gotta read your Bible, and you gotta, no, 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 all you have to, all he wants from you is your heart. It's all that he wants. Will you surrender your heart to him? Will you turn your heart over to the one who is so passionately consumed with seeing you transformed that he risks his life over and over and over and then gives his life so that you can live a new one?